You know, I tell you all the time I love On Demand because you put the Word of God in your hand. You can get it when you want to. It's like going to the refrigerator and getting some food when you please. So today, as we open the refrigerator of the Word of God, I hope it helps you and inspires you with some great truth. The message is going to be amazing today because I'm going to help you learn how you can be excited, that's right, and naive at the same time, and how all that can blend together. You need people that are energetically committed. They don't know what they're doing, but boy, they're trying to get someplace. This message, this will help you today. Learn how to balance those two together, and it will give you life and breath to go to your dreams. So enjoy today's message. I'll see you in just a minute. Stay with me. Say four strategies to build your dreams for the future. What is your strategy for the future? Do you have one? Are you just kind of existing? Or do you really have a plan? The problem for a lot of us is we just kind of coast. You jump into the day and you jump into the world and you just kind of swim. And you're not really sure where you're swimming to. Without a strategy, you probably won't get anywhere specific. And so I want you to think about your destination. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, the study of the text we've been using all month is a text that summarizes three people who had a dream and a strategy. They come to Jesus with this dream. They come to Jesus with this plan. And it's pretty bold. It's pretty unique. It's something that makes me go, wow, these guys really thought this through. So you have James and John and their mom coming by to talk to Jesus about this plan. I want you to listen to what it says. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down, asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit on your right hand and, on the, on, on, and the other on the left in your kingdom. That's the plan. That's the strategy. But Jesus answered and said to her, said to them, rather, you do not know what you ask. Read that with me, please. Come on. You do not know what you ask. Now listen carefully. Are you able, this is the question, it's about ability. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we are what? Able. Pause for a second. Look at the preacher for a minute. Here's the question. Can you, can you swallow this is the question. You know, you say you want to be a nurse, but can you swallow the challenges of nursing? <laughs> can you? Can you? Can you be immersed under the pressures of the study, the student stuff, the work? Can you handle the pressure of managing people? Can you be immersed, baptized? The word means to be dipped in. Can you be immersed? That, my friend, is the question. Are you able? You say you want it. You prayed for it. You asked for a husband. But can you handle the pressures of being a wife? You wanted all those children. Now they're calling your name. Mama, 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 mama. Daddy, 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 daddy. <laughs> Look with me back at the text again. Verse, um, verse 23. He said to them, indeed, uh, you, uh, you will indeed drink my cup. And be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to do what? Give. But it's for those for whom it's prepared. Now, somebody's going to get it, but it's for those for whom it's prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. And we'll pick up on that next week. But I want you to stop there. Look at me for a second. That is amazing. Three people come to Jesus with a strategy and a plan. And it is pretty comprehensive. I mean, it's, you know, it's impressive. I like this. I, we've been discussing uh, the four strategies, four strategic decisions, rather, that will help you 
build dreams for your future. You will be more successful at building your dreams if you work with others, as we talked to about the first time, if you're not confused, if you're not naive, and if you're not pressured by your peers. If you work alone, you will not do as well. These guys come to Jesus as a group. Notice that. The team comes. Who's your team? Who are you working with? I, I'm telling you, the key to my success and the key to my survival and the key to me not being burned out and the key to me still being happily married and the key to me not being tired in this job after 38 years of doing it. Can we give it again? Come on. No, no, no. Come on. 38 years. All right, all right, all right. You might need to yell at that because you have not worked. How was, who's worked on a job for 38 years? One job for 38 straight years. 38 years. One straight job. No other job. Can't change. I'm talking about one job. One job. See, <laughs> I stand almost alone. You, only you. 38? 38? All right. Anybody, anybody can beat me beyond 38? Oh, he's going to beat me. How many years you worked there? How many years? 51 years. Thank you, Ricky. God bless you. He just had to show out, right? 51 years. You know, okay, who cares, Ricky? Anyway, anyway. <laughs> God bless you, man. I think it's great. I, I think it's great. But what's powerful is when you think about it, here's this incredible season in your life when you work a long time, and you, but the key is to not do it alone, is to have support, to build the right people around you so that you don't burn yourself out. I like the fact that these guys work together. And then secondly, you don't want to be confused. You don't do well if you're confused. So they don't work alone. They're not confused. And the third thing we want to talk about today is they were, um, they were somewhat naive, but not naive. You'll see what I mean in a minute. There's a term that I love. Um, I love the fact that they were people who were what I call, say, naive, Say with me, come on. Naively excited. Yeah. Naive excitement. Say, come on. Naive excitement. These are guys, if you look at their resume, their resume says naive. If you look at their attitude and their passion, it says excited. These are the kind of guys, if they talk to you and say, hey, I'm going to go talk to Jesus and I want to be a president, a vice president, you know, co-vice presidents of the new kingdom, you would say, uh, what's your qualification? Uh, what, what, what qualifies you to be at the top over everybody else? Because they thought Jesus was going to establish a physical kingdom. So understand, they're asking for the two top positions. That's bold. Their credentials, they were fishermen. That's naive. I mean, you just almost want to go, come on, guys. I mean, I don't understand how you could even go to Jesus and ask this question. But if you look at it, I put a text in for you. And Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, describes them as basically fishermen. That's what their job, that's what they did. Fishermen. That's it. Let me read it for you. Matthew chapter 4, verse 21. Born from there, Jesus saw two, bro two other brothers... There were James and John. What was their names? The sons of Zebedee. They were sitting in a boat with their father, mending their nets. The fishermen. Jesus called them, and at once they left the boat, and their father and followed Jesus. And by the way, I don't think they 
didn't know Jesus before this. I, I don't think the Bible records all the details. When you get to heaven, you can look it all up. But I don't think they, they <laughs> the Bible wasn't designed to say every, all the details of the relationships. I, believe, I don't believe they walked into a stranger one day and said, hey, come follow me. And they just left. I don't believe, I don't believe that happened. These guys followed Jesus, but their basic skill was fishing. That's what I want you to say, fishing. So what would make a person who's a fisherman have enough nerve to ask somebody to be over government? Everybody say naive. naive. Excitement. Now, I'm going to tell you something about this naive excitement stuff. I kind of like it. You know, it, it really, I believe it's naive excitement that is the gas for our country. It's somebody saying, I believe we can fly and working on creating airplanes. Is somebody believing that we can get off horseback and ride, drive a car? I believe that there's something about that little boy that says, when you say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he says, I want to be, I don't know, over a tech company worth several billion dollars. I want to get people to talk on FaceTime. What's that? To where people can talk like face-to-face and be long away from each other. I mean, it's amazing. Dreams. It's guys like Steve Jobs. It's guys like, it's guys who saw something in DOS, Bill Gates. But nobody else saw it. It's those guys who are naive. You're going to drop out of Harvard? You got to be kidding me, right? You're, gonna, you're in your third year. You're going to drop out for what? I'm starting a business in your garage. You got to be kidding me. You are naive. Look, boy, I finished school. Really? Everybody say naive. naive. Excitement. Have you lost that? You're so practical, and you're going to be broke if you're not careful. Or have a little bit of money, but not a lot, because you won't, you won't dream. Walt Disney almost lost everything. That decision to build Disney World was a huge decision. <laughs> Success or failure. And he failed before. He, it's, it, it, it's, there's something about not being reckless. I'm not trying to say that, because some people are reckless. I'm not trying to say that. I'm simply saying... Do you have any passion? Do you have any drive? The one reason people don't like church is because you just come here and die and listen to the preacher man. And we just kind of gather and all our, our whole purpose is to do this. Get all dressed up or whatever and come in here and he says some words and everybody goes, whoo, that was powerful. And they can't remember a thing he said when they leave. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's, it's not wrong to have passion. These three guys come with passion. We want to be rulers. We want the top positions. I'll talk about next week how the other guys didn't like that. And those people, you have to kind of step over. Everybody say naive. naive. Excitement. I love this. I've been praying, Father, help me not be so cautious. And there are lessons I learned. Seven lesson, seven things about naively excited people that stand out to me. First of all, repeat this with you, please. So their credentials don't match their potential. Sometimes you don't have a degree. Sometimes you don't have it all together. That's okay. I love the fact that credentials have value. I'm a, I like that. You know, I got a few, few degrees and a few credentials. You know, it's okay. But what's interesting, I've seen people that go get a degree, right? And they walk across the stage, and you know what they're saying? When I get this degree, you owe me something. And they walk across with this sense of confidence, assuming that when they get on the other side, because they have a credential, they're going to be somebody. Not if you're not excited. 
Not if you're not going to be passionate. Not if you're not willing to strive and try. These guys didn't have the credentials. Men, they had the great potential to do something way beyond anybody around them. I love it. Number two, they often, these kind of people, run in family groups. They don't run alone. People with real passion understand the power of unity. They have a team around them. They let people speak to them. Thirdly, they, they want to move fast. They're not, they're not slow movers. They want it now. And you have to oftentimes, number four, slow them down because they'll go too fast. They have to kind of rein them in. You know, it's got to hold them back a little bit. Then I've also learned that these are people that can, number five, face disappointment. It's part of it. It's part of it. You tried, you tried marriage, or you tried this, or you tried your business. Or you tried, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what your disappointment is, but people who are naively excited say, well, I didn't make it that time, but I tried again. You know, it's that, it's, that, it's that determination that makes a difference. I'm a big basketball fan. I used to love to see a guy drive in the hole, gets knocked down, gets up again. I'll go back in. You know, you just, you just see that determination. That football player just drives in. You know, that, that determination. I'm winning this game. They say, they say that most basketball games are won in the last five minutes. Four to five minutes. And in football sometimes, especially when you have some quarterbacks we will not name. <laughs> who used to vex me. The last. That means it's second. No more seconds on. How are you going to win? Don't say Brady's name. How are you going to win? He cannot win this game. He didn't do too good the last time he played. But, he, but the guy used to torture people. Before I tell you, Diane was not a Brady fan. And Diane... Would sit there at the Super Bowl. Says, "Oh, he lost. He lost." <laughs> and then, "Oh no, he got the ball. Oh boy, oh boy!" And he would win. And you have to say, "God, man, how do you do that?" Come on, say, "Don't give up." Come on, say, "Don't give up." I got sixty seconds to get down this field. I believe it. I can get down this field in sixty seconds. And he would do it. It's astonishing. I tell myself, "Come on, Temple, where's your passion?" I'll tell you what happens when you get 61. It drains out of your feet. <laughs> you don't have more passion. The only question people ask you when you're 61 is, when are you going to? There you go. When are you going to retire? That's the only question. I don't, nobody asks me anymore, what are you going to be when you grow up? They feel I'm already grown up. And if I didn't get it by now, it's too late. Can I get an amen, church? <laughs> hilarious though. The Bible's not saying that. Abraham started at 75. Moses didn't get his head right. He was 80 and he was still jacked up at 100. <laughs> Smoting rocks. I mean, it takes a while to get, <laughs> get you straight. Let me move on. All right, here we go. Number six, sometimes they seem and feel entitled. It, now, people that are naively excited, they do, they do have a little edge on them. You know, they can be a little cocky, a little bit, you know, uh, yeah, I'm supposed to be. Yeah, I'm supposed to. And they give them a little money. They, they bling out, you know. They, they, wear, <laughs> they wear all their money. It's, that's part of it. You have to leave them alone. You're trying, some of you trying to quiet your kids down. Let your kids dream. Don't, don't shut them down time they say something. Let them have a dream. I have a dream. You heard that before, right? It's something about letting that dream fly. You never know what people can become. <laughs> Number seven, watch this. They hunt for people that can help them. They were hunting for Jesus. They went to Jesus because that was the guy that can help them. Who are you hunting for? 
who are the people. Now, here's what I love about this, right? When they hunted for Jesus, they found the guy. All three go to Jesus and talk to him. I love the fact that when he said what they didn't expect, they were quiet and they listened. Sometimes you go and you think you're going to hear something great, and they go, well, no, I can't just give you that. Or no, you can't get what you thought you can get right now. You're not going to get promoted. No, I love the fact that you don't read, if you look at chapter 20, verse 22 through 24, after Jesus starts talking to them, they listen. Do you get angry because God didn't give you what you wanted when you thought he should give it to you? On your timetable, you should be rich by now. According to your schedule, you should have, fill in the blanks, I don't know what it is. And the answer is no. You ask for a husband right now? No. Ask for, no. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you asked for. I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know what you're dreaming for. I want this church to grow. I'm glad he said no. It would have drowned me. Just a pace. I had to grow, learn, think. Just the emotional weight. Because the battle's up here. Just the emotional weight of it all. Learning how to process. Learning how to not be overwhelmed by being in front of people. And get into the place that you just do your best and let them work it out. You have to get to a place in your head, in your heart. And, and so there, there are times when he says, I can't just give this to you. It's for those for whom it's prepared. There's a process you go through to become a CEO, to earn a million dollars, to manage a million dollars, to be able to be responsible for people. You want thousands of people. You want a bunch of fans. You want to no pause. You need celebrity training. You need to understand the process, and you need to let the process happen. Give me a good amen. I'm preaching good. The three areas I, I was naive about, naively excited about, that I thought you'd love to know. Repeat them with me, please. Say marriage, marriage. money, marriage. and management. <laughs> I thought I understood what it meant to love, simply because I watched all them TV shows. <laughs> you know, they teach you on TV. You know, it's what you do. Man, I'm so, they so wrong. I tried all that stuff. It don't work. <laughs> I thought I understood love. And a lot of you think you understand love. You thought you understood what it means to love. But you're not good at loving. The results say you struggle with it. You bring your map to somebody and say, here's what loving you means. And they say, no. That's what loving means to you. Romantic love is fill in the blanks in your mind. Hooking up with as many people as you can, date, go, I don't know, whatever you think it is. But when, once you go down that road a while, you find that that's not what I thought. I was naive about money. <laughs> I love this one. I thought the key to money was making money. I did. Get a job, go to college, whatever, get a good job and make money. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I thought at one point, giving money away. You learn that in church. We train you to give. I said, I'm going to get in trouble now, so hang with me, okay? <laughs> My job is not to just teach you to give us money. But churches, pastors are guilty because they live under this budget crunch to always make every conversation about money to you about giving to the church. No. I don't believe you should just be a professional giver. 
and never build assets and wealth for yourself, which brings me to my final point. I was not taught to save and build wealth, to have money to give away for generations. Matter of fact, what happens to you if you're not careful when you start making money, you feel guilty. So when people ask you, you always say, yes. So example, you come to me and you ask me, you ask me for $1,000. You ready? Ask me for $1,000. Go ahead. Nope. <laughs> now ask me, do I have 1000 Yes. Now here's the question. Why? Why am I not giving him a thousand? Because he got his own thousand, by the way. Anyway, but, but here's the point. The guilt comes in because I think, as a Christian, I'm lying to you if I say, no, I'm being unchristian if I give it to you, if I don't give it to you. So every time you, somebody asks you for something, you feel obligated to give. We train people to give. We don't train people to save and have. So here's what happens to the future generation. There is no wealth. We spend it all in this generation. So the young men in our lives and the young women that we leave in charge have nothing. We are not about generational wealth. We think it's okay to live on the edge and be in debt and be in bondage and leave them houses that aren't paid for. Leave them, they can't even pay the taxes on the houses. Let me tell you what happens at funerals. They grieve the person and they grieve the results. Oh, I know. Oh, don't I know. I do dozens of them a year. I'm telling you, I know. When the person dies, sometimes they lose the house. They lose all the assets. They, the tax people come and get everything. Oh, it's a tragedy. I've watched it. Up close. They can't even bury you. Some of you say, well, I ain't going to be here. Oh, that sounds right. <laughs> you died right now. Who's going to bury you? That's why, they, that's why they're, having, they're having a whole lot more, um, what do you call them, uh, cremations. Because when you go around to the family and ask for an offering, won't you try it today? Go to your family member after church and say, when I die, how much are you going to give to my funeral? You wanna, I can take, watch this, ready? Ask your neighbor. Go ahead, ask him. Say, if I die, how much are you going to give to my funeral? Ask him. You, you think he ain't going to, you shouldn't even sit next to him in church. He won't even give anything. She, she offered anything yet to give you? Nobody? What's wrong? What's, what's all the love at? I thought we love each other in here. What's the problem? Mm-hmm. Why are you still talking? I ain't giving none of them. They supposed to have their own. See, I want you to think about this for a minute. The people in the Bible, and I'm not going to talk about I'm, I'm going to get off this because I got a whole series. I'm going to do this in a couple of months. They were entrepreneurs. Abraham was a farmer. Jacob was a farmer. People had big farms, big, big, big businesses. You know, like the Ponderosa, if you remember that TV show. They were Bonanza, yeah, way back in the day. Big farms. And said, look it up, Bonanza, go look it up. Ponderosa, big TV show. Family owned a bunch of land. That's how they were. I mean, think about it. Moses had three million people he was leading. You think he's broke? They brought all the tithe of three million people. They had a lot of money. You look at the temple, they had all kind of gold and silver and stuff in it. No, it wasn't. They weren't, matter of fact, they gave so much money in Moses' day, he told them, stop. <laughs> he said, we don't need no more. The temple's finished. Everybody was in, see? It's a mindset. And sometimes I think we don't understand the power of unifying. But I got to get off that because you're going to get me off my series. I got to end this. I got to get on. Say amen. 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 
All right. Everybody say marriage, marriage. Money, money, and management. I never dreamed to manage what I now manage. And I'm telling you, the challenge of management, wow, shows, showed me how naive I was about what management would cost me. I can look at your house, watch this, I can look at your house, and if it's a mess today, okay, this says we're not managing well. Our time, our resources, something's wrong, clothes everywhere, things everywhere. Somebody said, Pastor Rick Naeem, you know you ain't right. I rushed out here to church. And you come. I shouldn't even gone today. Somebody said, I'm a, don't cut that streaming off. You stay with me. Hang with me. <laughs> don't you get bad. We all, I just cleaned out a closet the other day myself. We all have moments when our life is in disarray. We all do. But the only way you're going to fix that is you manage differently. And I was naive about that. You're excited about having a family, but now to organize the family is a challenge. Every, every, tomorrow morning, you're going to be running out the door, fussing, <clears throat> almost cussing. Everybody's going to be chaotic because you don't lay out the clothes tonight. You don't lay out the lunches tonight. You won't, you won't organize. You just spend all the time on television, online, strolling around. Now, if you're online, don't cut it off now. You stay with me, okay? You stay right here, okay? <laughs> you're supposed to be online right now. But I want you to think about this for a minute. Your life is going to be chaotic as long as you live this way. I was naive. I was excited about a lot of things, but naive about what it would cost me. And there has to come a moment when you face it. And that's what Jesus told the three guys. Okay, you want this, but are you willing to drink what you have to drink? Are you willing to do what it takes? Lastly, there are three lessons I've learned from all of this. Ready? It takes time to learn. It does. It takes exposure to learn. And third, for some people, it takes failure. Same with you say failure, failure. Fear, fear, and loss for some people to learn. Now, I don't want to be one of those people. But I must admit, it's in failure and fear and loss that I've grown. I, I'll say I won't do that again. Because I fear that consequence. Then lastly, I thought this. This is amazing. It takes a teachable and repentant heart to learn. And to balance out your naive excitement. So again, naive excitement can be a good thing because it inspires you to want to do something. But it's, it's, that, it's that ability to be teachable that helps you balance it out. Being a repentant person. The word repentance is a great word. And basically, I love the way it's used in Acts chapter 2 verse 38. They heard this great sermon by Peter, right? And here's what they said. Now, when they heard this, they heard Peter's sermon, they said these words. They were cut to their heart. And they said to Peter these words, men and brethren, what shall we do? Wow. They heard something amazing, and then they said, what shall we do? Peter said one thing, repent. The word repentance is a word that is it's interesting. It means to think differently. It's to reconsider. It, in the Greek, it means to to look at something and say, I shouldn't go north, I should go south. It's not saying I'm sorry. It's not just saying I, I'm, I, I didn't mean to do that. It's simply saying, no, you're right. I cussed you out, I should never do that again. I stole your money, I should never steal again. I lied to you, I'll never lie again. Repentance is changing direction. A lot of people think coming to church and saying I'm sorry to God and crying is, no, that doesn't mean anything if you don't, you haven't changed your mind. Nothing's changed. And so it's, it's when I come to God and say, hey, I need to change. And there's this moment in my life 
when I look at my life and I say, you know what? I've been naive and I've decided, I know I'm excited, but I'm being imbalanced. I need to change the way we live our life as a family because I want God's best for my life. That's what I want to pray for you today. And I want you to pause and I want you to think about this. Are my friends pushing me away from where I need to be? Do I have people in my life that, that, that are pressuring me to be the opposite of what I need to be? They may be good people. They may be good friends. They may be family members. But the question is, are you pushing me in the wrong direction? You may not mean to. And let me tell you what I think is interesting. Sometimes they do it because they philosophically disagree with you. They believe they should do fill in the blanks. I don't care what it is. They, they believe that this is okay. <clears throat> and in your view, it's not. And you allow them to push you away from your values. Is that what's happening to you? If it is, we'll talk about that next week. Let's all stand. Father, today we leave thinking about the benefit of being excited. The benefit of that naive excitement burning in our hearts and minds, that passionate drive, that passionate push. It is the will of God that we be strong. It is the will of God that we have flames and fire in our heart burning strong. It is the will of God that we not be lost. I pray in your name, Father, that the Holy Spirit would bring healing and strength to every heart and every mind. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that the hand of God would rest on us as a church, that we leave this place today inspired and clear in our spirit about our direction and our calling. I ask you in Jesus' name to bring healing and blessing to this church, to everyone who's heard this message both here and at home, and may the hand of God heal them in ways that only you can heal them. And so I honor you and I praise you, and I give you all the glory. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, after this message has been heard, I want to know if you are a person here today has thought about your walk with God. You've thought about your spiritual condition. I want to know what you would like to do today to make this difference. Maybe you want to give your life to Christ. This is the moment of transformation for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Pastor Rick, pray for me. Pray for me. I want to start a life with Jesus. I want to get my life moving in the right direction. Just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I hear what you're saying. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. Anybody else? Pray for me. I see you. I see you. I see you. God bless you all. Let's all lift our hands together, shall we? We pray for all of these who raise their hands and many who raise their hearts. May this be the moment of transformation, the moment of grace and blessing. I declare upon them strength, and I declare that they will find grace and healing. I ask you in Jesus' name to bring grace and power and deliverance to their lives. May they find your, your, your word to be the transforming moment that made their lives different. I give you all the glory. I give you all the honor in the name that's above every name. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. amen. Did you learn something today? Yeah. Come on, did you really learn something today? I'm glad, glad you did. Well, I pray you were blessed by today's message. I believe that sometimes in life we all are naive. The key is to not lose our excitement and to make sure we're balanced. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those who watched today. May it bless them and strengthen them, and may they learn that they can rise above their circumstances and dream 
Even if they don't know everything, they can reach the goals they have and you'll guide them as they go. Thank you again for being with us today. We pray blessings upon you and we pray that you would find God's best and God's word for your life. See you next time. Bye-bye.